It is Locked On Jazz for the 12th of April. A deep dive on the Dallas Mavericks. And I mean deep. You're going to know everything there is to know. Does Luka go right? Does he go left? Where does he shoot and go bears on the floor? What are they great at? How are they in the clutch? What will the matchup be like? How do they play? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day today's episode is brought to you by prize picks check out prizepicks.com use the promo code nba to go get you at the app store or download the app prize picks is daily fantasy made easy we are thank you very much for making locked on jazz your first listen of the day we are free and available on all platforms including youtube where you can subscribe Hit that button. Please, if you're watching on YouTube, give us a like. We'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks to the morning crew, a little earlier than usual, and they're up and at them with us. I appreciate it. Uh, everybody jumping on. All right. Uh, I love the playoffs. You get to prep and dive deep and know everything there is about a team. I watched two of our four games. The Christmas Day game is pretty useless to watch, other than Craig Polarjack's jacket and Thurl Bailey. Uh, uh, was the night before Christmas uh, poem that he read about the Jazz. That was the highlight of that game for anything relevant to this playoff series. Uh, the second game was amazing. Uh, incredible game, down to the wire, and a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the Jazz and the Mavericks played three times in 31 days this year. Uh, and so it was pretty interesting. The last one doesn't have a lot of value. No Donovan, no Bogey, no Whiteside. So, and Dallas shoots the lights out. So I probably won't dig into that one, but I certainly will watch the March 7th game, watch the February 22nd game last night. Uh, This show today, uh, really, I'm trying to prep you at a level that's actually understandable, not just an inane amount of numbers and information, but there's going to be a lot of information. I'm basically prepped endlessly last night. Um, And so I'm going to kind of take you through a bunch of notes and who the Dallas Mavericks are and dig into what the matchups we expect to be and what we can learn from how the teams played each other in those two game in those middle two games to know what we're going to see. This should prep you pretty well. Tomorrow's show will be a crossover with locked on Mavericks. Um, and so we'll deal with them. Huh? No, they're great. Um, and then, and I can fire them. So, Really, in the playoffs, we go to everything. No, I would never do that. Uh, and then Friday, Thursday's show will drill into kind of what's going on with us in the clutch. And Friday, whatever remaining, probably more of a player breakdown, preferences, directions guys want to go, things of that nature. So first thing is Dallas is way better since the trade. That's the most important thing. They were 33-23 and 23 on February 10th when they traded Chris Dapps-Brzingis, their 7'3 Latvian center that everyone loves so much, and it's actually just not good. He's a horrendous isolation defender. He's a bad pick-and-roll defender. He's not that good an offensive player, and he takes a huge amount of oxygen. So simply by addition, by subtraction, Dallas got way better. Then Spencer Dinwiddie played well, and Davis Bertans has played okay. Since 
the trade, which really kind of tells you who they are. They're 19 and seven. They're 18 and five when Spencer Dinwiddie plays. They have the fifth best offense, the fourth best shooting team. They uh, take the most threes of any team in the NBA. So our math advantage of threes goes out the window in this matchup. They have the second best half-court offense in the NBA. Uh, They do not run at all. They're 30th in transition, both in efficiency and in opportunities, and only are in transition 11% of the time. That's great for the Jazz because Rudy Gobert is our most impactful player, and if he's in transition, he has no impact. So if the Jazz... You know, they're very, very good in the half court. Luca's great. There is a reason why they don't run. Luca's terrible in transition. And so, and then by the way, I'm doing all this assuming Luca will play, though I, I'm doubtful with that strained calf, uh, but still going to prep that way. They're actually quite good with Luca off the floor. We'll, we'll dig into that, but it's, it's not the same thing as Luca being off the floor for, you know, an, an extended playoff series. Um, they're 15th defensively. So they're not terrible. They're average defensively, which is surprising because they really had a stretch before we played them where they were they were pretty bad defensively without Chris Depp's Porzingis um, rim defense. But Chris Depp's not a good defensive player. When you dig into what you can do to him in all sorts of different mechanisms, then that's the issue. Um, so that's who they are. We're just on a no, the show's not over. There's there's more to it. So they're 19 and 7, 18 and 5 when Dinwiddie plays, fifth offensively and 15th um, defensively. Few little notes on this. We in the two games of relevance in which we play them, uh, we beat them 114-109 in Utah. That's the night Rudy Gobert defensively shuts down Luka Doncic late. Um, Mavericks open that game, making their first seven shots. Um, and then the Jazz actually shot 16 of 38 from three with an effective field goal percentage of 65% and had a pretty good offensive rebounding game. Jazz really played great. Slow game, 91 possessions. Luka goes just 8 of 24, and Donovan goes nuts. It's probably going to be the key. Whiteside's plus 10 in that game. So Hassan's super important. In the next one, the Jazz lose 111-103. Jazz are playing on a back end of a back-to-back. They have a bad third quarter where they kind of look like they're... Donovan, who was not good all season long when he didn't have rest. Donovan Mitchell, and this is more of kind of a Jazz player deep dive, which is probably some of the things we'll, we'll do a player probably deep dive. I haven't prepped. I prep teams and then I prep players. Um, but I just happen to know these, obviously. So Donovan this year, with zero days rest, his true shooting percentage, which is the best assessment of how you are as a player, because it includes going to the free throw line, was 51%. If he had one day rest, he was at 56%. If he had two days rest, he was at 58%. If he had three or more days rest, he was at an incredible 68%. It's interesting to look at. He averaged 23 points a game on zero days rest and 30 points a game with three or more days rest and 28 uh, points a game on two days rest. So this schedule coming out and how much time the Jazz get, you know, if we play early Saturday and don't play again until Tuesday, that's a good two, almost three days rest for Don. And in the game the Jazz lose, Donovan goes five of 19. It also may be relevant to the fact that Donovan's having such bad fourth quarters recently. Um, There's something going on with him in fatigue um, that seems to be an issue. We were down 19 in the third in that game, so that really was not that that close of a game. All right, let's get into who they are. They're Luca. 
Uh, and some interesting notes on Luca. I dove into who defends Luca well. Um, you know, this is a drive isolation team. So when you look at the Mavericks, they are the take the seventh most drives of any team in the NBA, and they're the best in the NBA at it. They take the sixth most isolations of any team in the league, and they're the best in the league at it. Okay. Now, why is that? So obviously it's Luca, right? So Dallas drives. Luca has dr- driven 1,400 times and averages 1.12 points per drive. And then the next is Brunson, who's driven about 1,081 times at 1.08. And the new addition that makes them so deadly is that Dinwiddie has driven 239 times since being with Dallas at 1.12, same rate as Luka. So they have three different guys in Luka, Brunson, and Dinwiddie, probably two on the floor at all times, that just can put their head down and go to the basket. And that's the number, that's going to be, they're a drive isolation half-court team. They're coming at us in the half-court, in a set, and they're just going to put their head down. Luka... Royce was absolutely of no resistance to Luca this so far on drives this year. 1.24 points. You know, Royce just had a really tough defensive season. He was out of the top 100 pick and roll defenders. He ranked 85th. Um, so, or 100 most common, he ranked 85th. You know, maybe this rest helps him. He just, something doesn't seem right with him. Brunson, Royce did a pretty good job on Brunson. So I don't know what you do there, but it will be interesting to see that. Luca drove well on Forrest. He only averaged 0.75 points per drive on Gobert. And honestly, this to me is actually going to be the most interesting aspect of this series of Luca plays. And I'll get into it a little bit more, but it's going to be foul trouble and how it's officiated. And I know that's a bummer, but the reason is because the Jazz statistically need to be willingly switching Rudy Gobert onto Luka Doncic anytime they can. Luke Donovan, Rudy is the best isolation defender on the roster. He's, we'll get into a second who Luca struggled with. You'll, you'll understand. Luca drives on Donovan. We're at 1.7 points on Royce. We're at like 1.2 points on Forrest. We're fine. And frankly, Royce did better defensively on other guys. So I, but, and then the flip side you'll see that the Jazz are going to bring Luka into everything. And so Luka's attacking Gobert and the Jazz are attacking Luka and they're both in the half court on every single possession and that's the series. And, you know, how that's officiated is going to be vital. Rudy Gobert, we'll get, get it. there's more. I just got more. I'll just, I can keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Today's show is brought to you and I, I will. We'll dig into some pick and roll stuff. I got, t- you, you got the feel. I should give you like this really official tea. I promise you coming up, I'll give you five to 10 things you don't know. How's that? Is that good? Okay. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Blake Murdoch's just an incredible leader, uh, member of our community, and he has decided the Murdoch family will not charge more than MSRP, despite the fact that, you know, frankly, everyone's doing it and they can do it. There is a car shortage. You've got to get on it beforehand. Head on over to Murdoch Hyundai, test drive a car, look at them, and then order as they come in. It's basically how it works. Right now, the 2022 Tucson is 
available for you at a really reasonable $379 for 36 months. And the uh, 2022 Santa Fe uh, is at 386 per month. I actually was over there yesterday and uh, some of the new body designs are beautiful. The Palisades, this beautiful, beautiful car and a lot of the others uh, look like it as well. The Icon, the Ionic Electric is available to you. I drove it the other day. It's pretty sweet. If you're looking for something that might save you on a little bit of gas uh, and not as expensive as some of the other uh, electric cars, they're out there for you as well. Stop by or email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com and we'll set you up uh, with a meeting. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.net. We'll check the... Uh, lines here in just one second um, and see if they've changed or if they're off the board because a Luca would be kind of what I expected yesterday and then they weren't. Uh, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your betting stats, sports, and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including this year's basketball playoffs, the start of Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more on trends. BetOnline, where the game begins. And let's check. What do we have? What do we have? Where do I have it? Uh, I don't know where I have it. Huh. Don't know what I just did. Let's see. What is our line for game? Jazz were favored the last time I checked. And I don't know if that was. Um, Jazz are a minus 175 for the series. Mavericks are a plus 155. Sixers are favored over the Raptors. Warriors are plus 214 over the Nuggets. Bucks are minus 1,200 against the Bulls. That's crazy. And the opening lines today, Brooklyn by 8.5 on the game tonight, and then uh, Minnesota by 3.5 over the Clippers. We're favored by 3.5 over Dallas. All right. Um, Where was I? I have so much stuff. Let me look at my notes. All right, so it's a half-court team. We'll have both of the matchups. <clears throat> both teams will just go matchup hunting crazy in this in these games. Here's some notes for you on their pick and roll. Uh, they're going to drive in isolation and not play a great deal of pick and roll. But they do do it fairly well. So they won't just dis disappear from it because frankly actually during the regular season Luca was perfectly willing to play pick and roll with Dwight Powell at Rudy Gobert they they did not avoid that at all um they're the fifth best pick and roll ball handler team they're the sixth best pick and roll man team in the NBA so their pick and roll game is really pretty darn strong um they're the fourth most frequent pick and roll team in the NBA and the sixth best at it we'd like them to play pick and roll. Rudy Gobert is the third best pick and roll defender in the NBA on over 2000 picks. The best in the league is Robert Williams over a thousand and Taj Gibson at 900. So Rudy's just in a different level of that. Now Royce ranks, as I said, 85th out of hundred pick and roll defenders. Mike Conley ranks sixth and Donovan Mitchell ranks 21st. So some of this might be that they're not, they think they can pick off Royce because if you look at their pick and roll, matchups of what they did during the series against us they they had no problem running their pick and roll Luca with Powell versus O'Neal and Gobert so Luca's guarded by O'Neal they bring Powell up for the pick and roll they ran it in one of the games 16 times 
67% of the time they were on the floor, they went to that pick and roll. So when they went pick and roll, they were not scared to go to Rudy at all. Luca with Maxi Kleba against O'Neal, when that, that was on 29% of the time when that was on the floor, that was the matchup they went to. They had more success with the Powell um, O'Neal pick and roll than, than any other. Uh, Dallas ran 45 pick in the March 25th game. Dallas ran 39 pick and rolls at Gobert to pretty good success, 1.06. In the game we lose, they actually run 45 picks at Gobert just to 1.0, so not very good. They have their way with Hassan, and and it's going to be interesting to see whether the Jazz match Gobert to Luka, and I'll get to that in a second. The the Mavs ran uh, 20 pick and rolls each game at Hassan Whiteside and one game was at 1.17 and the other game was at 1.3. By the way, if you're 1.0, it's really good. I mean, if you think about the, just trying to put this in perspective, like half court offense, you know, if you're, if you're trying to understand like, well, what's a good number here when I say like 1.1, 1, 1.0 is great. Um, you know, for the season, the Mavericks offense is a 1.14. So that's including some transition, but not much. So they're about a 1.1 in the half court. Um, so anything you can keep them under 1.1 is good. So if you, you know, 39 picks at Gobert, 1.06 is good at 1.0 is good, but at white side at about 1.2 and 1.3, it's not great. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. So they don't shy away. It's not like there are some, now maybe in the playoffs, they're just going to completely drive and isolate, um, which they, you know, which they do. Um, and, but in the, you know, they ran 70, 80 pick and rolls against us in the game in Dallas that they, they beat us on an, on an average game with what you'd expect out of Dallas. It is a game in which Luke is taking about 22 of the shots, Brunson, then Dinwiddie, Bullock, Finney Smith, all take between like nine and 13, but they run a lot. They run about 83 picks a game. Here's the number you want. They're at about 1.03 points per pick and roll. So anything under that, which Rudy was, was good. Um, they pop on about 30% of their pick and rolls. Okay, so now Rudy, or, and that's mostly Kleba. Their drive game, as we've talked about, is great. And they average about 50 drives a game. And we talked about who was really, really good. Um, Their pick and roll game, 50% of the time is with Gobert. I mean, it's with Luca. Since the trade, it's up at 56. Since the trade, his pick and roll game's at 1.13. Pretty awesome. He ran the second most picks of anyone in the NBA. So they're just not going to abandon that. He's the eighth best in the NBA, but since the trade, he's the third best behind Marcus Smart and Trey Young. He runs 36% of his pick and rolls with Dwight Powell at 1.06. And 15% with Maxi Kleba at 1.1, which is interesting. There are two lineups. Either Dwight Powell's their center, non-three-point shooting, passing, pretty decent, not a great defensive big. That lineup is an offensive juggernaut. They're in the 98th percentile offensively. They're in the 22nd percentile defensively. So when Dwight Powell's in the game as their center, they're an offensive juggernaut. When Maxi Kleba comes in the game, they're really good defensively. They're actually a better team. He's really struggling with his shot. He's usually a three-point stretch shooter, but he's not shot well. He's in the 90th percentile. 
They're in the 90th percentile defensively when Maxi Kleba's their center, Dwight Powell's off the floor. They played the two of them together for a while. It was a mess. I don't think we'll see that at all. Um, but 128 offensive rating, uh, or yeah, when 98th percentile when Powell is on offensively. That's that's their main team. When Luke is off the floor, they're super defensively. When Luke is out on the floor, they're not good defensively. Luke is bad defensively. They're 4.2 points per 100 possessions worse when Luke is on the floor defensively. When Luke is off the floor, they're in the 92nd percentile defensively. All right. A um, lot of stuff here. Let me see what I had a few other notes I want to make sure I got to. Isolation game. Okay, we talked about it. They are sixth most common isolation, best in the league. They're, uh, if you include passes, they're second best in the league. Okay, so they're great. Luke is in the 91st percentile. Dinwiddie's in the 94th percentile. And Brunson's in the 65th percentile. So there it is again. We talk, Those are the same guys that are driving. Those are their isolation guys. Um, we'll get into them defensively in a second because there's some interesting little notes there. What gets fun about this is as much as we think of ourselves as a bad drive defensive team and a bad isolation team because of what the Clippers did to us, we're actually the second best drive team in the NBA defensively. We're one of the best pick and roll teams defensively in the NBA and Luka defend, wants the pick and roll the second most. Rudy's the third best defensive big. From our advantage, there are two things that we don't do well. We don't deal with the handoffs as well as we do the pick and roll. It's always been the case. It has to do with why, how we defend Rudy's size. It's hard for us to the handoff. Teams run more handoffs against us than any team in the NBA. The Mavericks really are not a handoff team. The Mavericks are 19th in the league in handoffs overall. If you start seeing the Mavericks running a lot of handoffs, they've really changed who they are just to deal with us. The Jazz see the second most off-ball screens because it usually means Rudy's not involved. The Mavericks run the 26th amount of off-ball screens in the NBA. So the way teams usually attack us is handoffs, off-ball screens, away, get, getting away from Rudy, and then if they have isolation guys, obviously we've seen that. Dallas will just do it with drives and isolation, and it'll be interesting to see how much pick and roll they play. Let's switch it over. A few other notes. What's made them great is their catch-and-shoot game. So Finney Smith shot 40% on cat. He's a totally different player than if you remember him a few years ago. And he changes everything. He's at 40%. Since February 11th, the trade, he's 45% on catch and shoot. Bullock's 37%. Kleba, as I mentioned, is really struggling at 20% since the All-Star break. But Brunson's at 40%. Bertans is 36 on catch and shoot. Dinwiddie's 42% since coming to Dallas. Um, <clears throat> Powell's struggling a little bit. Uh, no, Powell's at 38%. Doesn't shoot him much, though. Doncic is just not very good at catch and shoot, but he takes he's taken 492 off the bounce threes, second most to anyone other than Trey Young in the NBA. And here's the scariest thing. 
Since the All-Star break, he's 39% on off-the-bounce threes and 41% his last 15 games. I mean, I don't know what you do. I mean, he single-handedly is good enough to just win the entire playoff series if that ankle's right. They do not have any other off-the-bounce three game, which gets interesting. They take the most amount of threes, and is there any point here where you just try to make Luka score 60 and not let Finney Smith at 45% since February 11th get a catch-and-shoot three, Bullock at 37%, Brunson at 40%, and make those guys play in without space and see if Luka can just annihilate you or not. Probably can, but it's an interesting discussion. All right, we'll get to them defensively and them in the clutch. And then any other random notes that my uh, mass prep session had. Is your head spinning? Is this like way too much and a bit overwhelming and, and all of those things? I hope not. I hope it's hope it's prepping you so that when you watch or listen to Ron and I, you're like, you know what? I knew this because I listened to Locke. Um, that would be that would be ideal. That's that's the goal here to make it a better experience for you when listening to the ball game or watching the game. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, daily fantasy made easy. You pick two to five players and over under on their projections. You can win up to ten times on an entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Use the easy, use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Price Picks offers a variety of options. Any prop you can think of, points scored to rebounds to steals. Price Picks allows mixed sports entries as well. For a limited time, Price Picks has an exclusive no-brainer offer for all of our users. Get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. You must use the code NBA. That's right. Exclusive offer. Lockdown listeners, sign up today. Use the code NBA for $50 for free. And if a player in your prize pick entry scores a single point, I think you could probably figure out how to make sure that happens. Uh, Rock Auto is good friends of ours. Been with us for a long, long time. And they have presenting this episode as well. It's an opportunity for you to save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for some parts from chain stores or car dealerships? Uh, Rock Auto is a family business. Do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go to Rock Auto right now. Save tons of money. You can save, like, I mean, seriously, silly amounts because... Uh, and their old school website is really fun to navigate through. Uh, right locked on the how you hear about a section. It's amazing selection. It's reliably low prices. It's all your parts your car will ever need. Uh, somebody said I'm up early today. You can fig- I wonder if you can figure out why. We are starting early today. There's things to be done this morning. Um, all right. Defensively. Oh, I want to get matchups a little bit. Uh, Luca versus Rudy and Luca on who he struggled with. So. So far this year, there were a few guys. Aaron Gordon is the Luka Doncic bugaboo. Aaron Gordon of, da- of Denver, is there, he's 10 of 33 when guarded by Aaron Gordon. He actually also struggled against Jokic. Or excuse me, he's 10 of 38 when guarded by Gordon. He was 7 of 19 against Jokic. 4 of 17 against DeAndre Hunter, who's a long, lanky guard for Atlanta. 
or kind of wing. Isaiah Stewart, a burly 6'9", fearless, tough center for Detroit. He was 4 of 14. Um, last year, he was 7 of 21 against Dylan Brooks and 4 of 17 against little Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder might be the outlier. Everybody else there has length and size. Luca, with Rudy on the floor this year, shot 43%. He only took three shots within six feet and didn't make any. He took zero shots at the rim when Rudy was on the floor. He went five of 11 in the paint. His shot is a right wing three. He comes off a pick at the top. He goes to the right side and he takes the right wing three. He was five of seven on that right wing three this year when Gobert was on the floor. And the year before he was five of six, he's 10 of 13 over the last two years on a right wing facing the basket, right side three, when Rudy Gobert is on the floor. Within six feet, he's taken a 23 shots in two years with Gobert on the floor. He's taken 13 right wing threes. Like he, that's his shot when Gobert is off the floor. When Gobert is off the floor, he goes to the rim. He's take, he took seven shots at the rim. Uh, this year, um, what's interesting is if you actually go back all the way to like 1920, he goes actually attacks the rim relentlessly against Gobert and goes seven of nine. He may just be a little bit of a different player since then. Realized as a rookie and a second year player how hard that is. Um, last year, he was seven of 12 in the room with Gobert, 17 of 32 in the paint, um, but still just 11 of 20 inside six feet. And that three is his deadly. So he wants to go to the right side. Guarding. Luca O'Neal, according to my math, has guarded him the third most of anyone in the NBA. Andrew Wiggins has guarded him more. Aaron Gordon has guarded him more um, over the last two years. Um, DeJounte Murray's close. So O'Neal spent a bunch of time on him. Luca is 16 of 32 from the field, 50%, and 5 of 13 from three when guarded by, by O'Neal as the closest defender. He's 20 of 40 when Gobert's the closest defender. So he's actually taken more shots against Gobert than he has against O'Neal. If, if O'Neal's done anything well, he hasn't shot a lot against him. Uh, Trent Forrest actually guarded Luka the second most amount of possessions. None of these guys have the length that I just talked about, though, with like Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, DeAndre Hunter, Isaiah Stewart, like... We, we don't have that. I, I don't think Juancho Hernan Gomez can do it. He killed Rudy Gay this year in that one matchup. So I, and Daniel House is going to have to do it. Uh, but House in 1920 guarded him and he had limited amounts and didn't seem to have an impact because Luke is great. Um, so we'll see. In the clutch, this is a little daunting. In the clutch, they are seven and one since with when Dinwiddie plays. Uh, since the trade, they've won 10 of 12 overall. Luca's 14 of 26. The killer is Finney Smith and Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's six of seven in the clutch, three of three from three. I'm not sure that's sustainable. He's hit some game winners too. And Finney Smith, though, is nine of 15 from the field. Finney Smith has become a 40-plus percent three-point shooter in the clutch. Knockdown. You used to leave him. Maxi Kleba's 5 of 12 this year shooting in the clutch, all from three. So they have been very good in the clutch. Luca, 
is hot recently. His He's only 6 of 26 from 3, and last year he was only 26% from 3. He's only been about a 20%, 23% 3-point in the clutch over the last two years. It's 12 is last 49, so 23% over the last two years in the clutch from 3. He's going to get in the probably in the mid-range, make some shots. He's been 14 of 26, though, to wrap up the season since they have it. So they're very good in the clutch. Defensively, as I mentioned, they're 15th since the trade. They are the teams have driven them the second most because they go after Luca. Sixth most isolations because they go after Luca. Uh, seventh most handoffs against them. So teams, and but not as many pick and rolls because the only reason you're playing pick and roll is probably to bring Luca to the ball. They're above average kind of across the board defensively. 14th against spot-ups, 13th in transition, 14th against cuts. They're very good against the handoff. We don't run a lot of handoffs. They're 7th against pick and roll, man, and 7th against pick and roll ball. They're good. They strangely are... um, They're second best offensively, by the way, against the zone. One thing that's interesting about them defensively is they're above the break three defense. They're the third best above the break three defense in the NBA. And they're the fifth best at denying it. And they're the number one defense in the league against catch and shoot. That's where they're elite. They, however... Reggie Bullock is not a very good isolation defender, and nor is Luka. Finney Smith, on the other hand, is the ninth best isolation defender in the NBA and guarding Donovan over the last two years. Donovan is 8 of 26 when guarded by Finney Smith and 4 of 13 from 3. Donovan has had no, was 9 of 15 this year when Luka switched onto him. Three of six from three. Torched him. He's had no problem with Reggie Bullock. Finney Smith will be guarding Don, will be in the half court. We don't want to get stagnant, but we've got to get Finney Smith off of Don. Either via moving it or running Luca. The Jazz hunted Luca in the regular season at a really, really high rate. They... The February 25th game, the Jazz ran 19 pick and rolls at Luca. At 1.6 points per possession. In the March 7th game, they ran 1.22 picks at Luka at 1.3 points per possession. The 25th game where they won, they were super good against Powell. The game they lost, they were super bad against Powell. So that's an interesting one to keep an eye on, find out what the adjustment, go watch those two games, see what the adjustment was. The... Jazz lived on the Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal pick and roll. They got Luca involved and then the Mavericks would throw a soft trap and then the Jazz would drop it off to Royce and then he would actually make a play. I actually think Trent Forrest could be important there as a secondary ball handler, hiding Luca on him. They bring Trent to it, get Donovan off the ball as they want, Get let Trent either drive or make a play. And then we better make shots. Uh, I think that is about everything I have. But to wrap it up, what does that tell us? Half-court series, Dallas isolation and drive, 
They'll, they're not fearful to pick and roll, but we're great at it. The Jazz offense will want to run. They have a transition advantage. Dallas is not as good in transition as they are in half-court defense. But in the half-court, they're going to want to involve Luke in everything. That's going to get stagnant because you're trying to play matchups, and this is going to be a hugely matchup-based series from the get-go. All right. Hope that's worth it. Deep dive. A lot of stuff there. Hopefully you know more. Hopefully you enjoyed it. It is Locked on Jazz. Have a great one.